Amen. Well, it'd be my joy if you would join me at the end of Luke, Luke 24. We've come to the end of our study in the Gospel of Luke. You thought it could never happen. It has happened. But coming to the end of the Gospel of Luke is not the end of the story as we hear this morning. And it's my prayer this this morning as God's people, as Christ's fellowship, that we wouldn't live like it's the end of the story. But that we would pray that God, God's people in here today would grasp all that Jesus has for us. This mission he has for us to do for our joy in his glory. This morning I had the joy of talking to some of our workers on the field, texting with some of our workers on the field, and they're praying for us as we hear God's word today from Luke 24. It says this in verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, your word says in Psalm 119, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens firmly fixed in the heavens, Lord. It was your plan long, long ago, Lord, to to bring forth a Christ who would suffer and who would die. Lord, and it was your plan, Lord, for that good news to be proclaimed, not just here in this room, not just for our own hearts, Lord, not just for us to enjoy and rejoice in that we have a Savior who lived, died, and rose again but Lord, for that good news to be proclaimed to the nations. That all the nations might know that Christ is King. That they can repent of their sins and be forgiven of their sins and have life, joyful life under the reign of you, the risen King. So Father, we ask that you would move among us today that we would see that the, the story continues in us that the mission of Christ did not end, Lord, when, when you ascended to the heavens. But Lord, it continues today through us. Lord, let us see this. And Lord, would you fill us with your power afresh that we might be on mission for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we come to the end of the Gospel of Luke, and we've come to the end of a long Series. This, I believe, is the, the 70th, 70th sermon. 
Might be the longest series we've ever had. We, we started in Luke chapter 1 with the birth of Jesus Christ. The fulfillment of all of God's promises. We walked in 2022 through the, the ministry of Jesus. How Jesus called his disciples. How he worked miracles in all the cities. How he confronted the religious leaders like the Pharisees. And how he preached about the kingdom of God. His coming reign over his people from now and for all eternity. And then finally, this semester, we walk through the last week of Jesus' life. We walk through his triumphal entry, through his last supper, through his prayer in the garden, through the betrayal of Judas, the trials, the denial of Peter, all the way to his death on the cross. His burial in a borrowed tomb and His glorious resurrection. And now we are here. We are here at the end. But if we're not careful, we could treat the end of the Gospel of Luke like it is the end. We could treat the end of the Gospel of Luke like it is the end. We could treat it like it's the final curtain. That Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and yes, Jesus one day will come again. But in the meantime, we're going to kind of do us. We're going to kind of sit here in our silence. We're going to sit here waiting till that day, till he comes. If we're not careful, we can live here in our complacency until we see Jesus again. We can live here in our distractions until Jesus comes back or we go to Him. If we're not careful, we can live in our fixer-uppers, our social media, our, our kids' ball games, our Netflix shows, our NBA playoffs, our vacations, our jobs, our hobbies, like this is all there is. We can live like this this that we can see, this that we can touch around us is what's worth living for. Like Jesus is not reigning. Like Jesus is not returning for every tribe, tongue, and nation. Listen, church, the gospel of Luke doesn't end in silence. The gospel of Luke ends in an echo. The gospel of Luke ends with an echo. It ends with an echo that began at the resurrection and will never end. An echo that resounds from the cross and the resurrection that will continue throughout our lives. And it will continue until the day we see his face and rejoice in our risen king forever. So you could almost add a few words here at the end of the Gospel of Luke. I'm not encouraging you to add words to the Bible. But if you were going to, all you could write is to be continued. To be continued. How do I know this? Well, because Luke didn't stop with this Gospel. He wrote also the book of Acts. I'm not sure if you knew that. But we see in the book of Acts the ripples of the resurrection. We see it now here in our church 
today. Listen to how Acts begins. It says this, in the first book, O Theophilus, this is the first verse of the book of Acts. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do. Did you hear that? All that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. What Jesus began in his life, death, and resurrection, he's continuing today in his church. We see it through the book of Acts, the ripples of the resurrection, and we see it today at Christ's Fellowship Church. Every day of our lives, every second, should be an echo of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every second of your life should be lived as an echo of the resurrection. This morning, I want us to think about what it looks like to live, to live our lives in the echo of the resurrection. To, to pray together, Lord, help us live in the resounding echo of your glory, for the glory of the risen King, for the joy of your peoples. The first thing I think we see in our passage is that Jesus, here at the end of Luke, gives us unshakable hope. He gives us unshakable hope. That's what we read in these final words. We see Jesus leaves us, the disciples, with unshakable hope. I believe verse 44 through 49 is a summary of of what Jesus was teaching his disciples until he left. Because in Acts 1, verse 3, it says, He presented to himself, alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. Jesus was with his disciples for 40 days after the resurrection. And for 40 days... He was giving them unshakable hope. He was rehearsing the gospel with them. We saw it in verse 27 a couple weeks ago, and we see it here in verse 44, that Jesus, for 40 days, was playing on repeat how everything written, everything written about himself in, the, in Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He was showing them, brothers and sisters, every promise made in the Old Testament was kept and fulfilled in me. Every promise kept. And salvation was promised in the Old Testament. Salvation was purchased at the cross through the resurrection. And now that salvation must be proclaimed until I come again. Have you ever wondered when you read the Bible? Have you ever wondered how the disciples can go, go from these like fearful, shaking in their boots, constantly missing the gospel guys until we turn to the book of Acts and we see bold, bold preachers of the gospel clearly in the book of Acts? In the book of Acts, we hear. We hear them saying things like this. This is Acts chapter 4. Rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man 
by what means this man has been healed. Let it be known to all of you. It's boldness. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus, who is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which man must be saved. Where did they get this boldness? Where did they get this knowledge that Psalm 118 about this stone that the builders rejected would become the cornerstone? Where did they get this? Well, more than anything, they're preaching with boldness because the power of the Holy Spirit was working powerfully through them. But they also learned the gospel. that They were rehearsing the gospel, the rehearsing the good news of the death and resurrection from the lips of Jesus. For about 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus was rehearsing how all the Old Testament promises were made and kept in him. Now, I don't want you to think, man, that must have been like a boring lecture over and over and over again. Like, just simply transformation of, I mean, a transfer of information. Like, I don't want you to think this is accounting 101 at Western, right? This is, look at verse 45, what it says. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Do you see what the Lord Jesus was doing? The Lord Jesus was opening their minds to understand the gospel. He was opening their hearts the scriptures were burning within them so that they might see Jesus, that they might adore Jesus, that they might treasure Jesus as the only Savior for their sins and for the sins of anyone. Jesus was giving them unshakable hope, undeniable hope that all of God's promises were kept in him. As Jesus rehearsed, the, their minds understood Jesus had to suffer. Jesus had to be raised, and their hearts were filled with hope. And, brothers and sisters, what I want us to see today is that this still happens today. This unshakable hope was not just for those disciples, but it was for every disciple of Jesus Christ here today. Like when we gather here on Sunday mornings, there's moments that we sing a line together from a song, or there's moments that we hear the word preach together, and the Lord opens our minds to see the reality of the resurrection like never before fills our hearts with 
unshakable hope, maybe for the first time in a long time. Like every time we sing, there is one gospel. I think of the line that says, And when in glory, still I will sing of this old story that rescued me. This story that we rehearse together, that we sing together, that we rejoice in together here. Guess what? One day we will rehearse it and rejoice in it again and again and again with Jesus. Or there's moments when we're together in our community group. It happened to me the other night where a brother in our group speak, spoke about the objective reality that we have peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not subjective reality, not a fleeting peace, but no, we have objective peace through the blood of Jesus Christ, peace with a holy God. And in that moment, my heart is filled up with unshakable hope undeniable hope and I say that peace is for me because of Jesus or every Monday morning I gather with a group of brothers from our church for the purpose of rehearsing the gospel together like we're constantly reminding one another about the reality of the resurrection, saying to one another, there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And it never fails that throughout the week, we're texting one another things like, man, it was so sweet to be with you all yesterday. I can't wait till next Monday morning. And what we're saying in our hearts is, did not our hearts burn within us when we talked about Jesus today? Did not our hearts burn within us when we rehearsed the good news, the greatest news of the gospel? So my question to you this morning is, where are you rehearsing the gospel? Where in your life are you rehearsing the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for you? Where are the places that the Lord's opening your mind to understand and opening up your heart to adore and rejoice in Jesus? Like every morning, you should wake up and the first thing on your mind, maybe set a reminder on your phone, rehearse the gospel. Preach the gospel to your heart right now. Every Sunday, you should be committed. You should long to be here together so that we can remember the good news of the gospel together. Every week, you should have a community group. You should have discipleship relationships. You should have a brother or sister in Christ that stirs you up to remember there's no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. That Christ died, that Christ has risen, that Christ is coming again. That's the first thing that Jesus gives us. That's what he leaves us with until we see his face. We have unshakable hope in Jesus. The second thing we see, though, is that he gives us unlimited mission. 
He gives us unlimited mission. As we read the rest of the passage, it becomes really clear, especially if we read the book of Acts. It's obvious that Jesus did not leave his church simply to read about unshakable hope and keep it to ourselves. To to receive unshakable hope and just enjoy it ourselves. No, the plan from the beginning was the good news of the gospel getting to the nations. That was the plan of God from the beginning of all eternity. Listen again to verse 46 and 47. Listen carefully to these words. It says, thus it is written. And then he says three promises. Thus it is written. And all of these three promises have come from the Old Testament. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. All three promises were made by God and all three promises will be kept. Christ should suffer. The Christ should rise on the third day and repentance will be preached to all nations. This is our unlimited mission. Not the unlimited mission for Peter, James, John, and Paul. This is Christ's fellowship's unlimited mission that anyone, anywhere can repent and receive forgiveness. Anyone, anywhere can repent and receive forgiveness in Jesus Christ. See, the bad news of the gospel is that everyone, everywhere is a sinner that deserves hell. Everyone, everywhere, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news of the gospel is that anyone, anywhere, can repent, can turn from their sins, and place all their trust in Jesus, who died on the cross and rose again, and they will be forgiven. If they turn from their sins and put all trust in Jesus, they will be forgiven of all their sins they've ever committed in their past all their sins in the present, and all their sins in the future. Totally forgiven forever. Listen, brothers and sisters, there are no limits to God's grace. There's not a limited supply of His forgiveness that we want to hold on to here because if we give it to others, we're going to lose some for ourselves. No, there is a Niagara Falls amount of grace and forgiveness from Jesus that just keeps going and will never end. Whoever repents of their sins and trusts in Christ alone for salvation will be forgiven of their sins forever. The only caveat that you see there is if you're unwilling to repent of your sins, you will not be forgiven of your sins. If you're unwilling 
to turn from your sins, then, you're un, then God is unwilling to forgive you of your sins. If you're unwilling to let go of your sins, then you don't believe that Jesus is better than your sins. So, so literally, right now, I want every ear to listen to me right now. I want every eye upon me right now. Because listen, right now in this very moment, anyone in here can turn from their sins and trust in Jesus and you will be forgiven immediately. You can turn from your sins and trust in Jesus. And you will be forgiven. You who is listening to me right now. There are no exceptions. There's no application process. There's no Jesus will get back to you. There's no sins too great for his forgiveness. No, repent and run to Jesus right now and he will gladly, joyfully forgive you of your sins that you might have life in him forever. But the great tragedy this morning is that while anyone anywhere could repent today and receive the forgiveness of Jesus, not everyone everywhere has heard this good news. In fact, the Bible says that 3.3 billion people in our world have never heard the name of Jesus. 157,000 people dying every single day without Jesus. The word unreached, unreached peoples means, doesn't mean that, that you're lost. It doesn't mean you don't believe in Jesus, because that would describe a lot of people in Bowling Green, right? That describes a lot of people in Bowling Green who live here, that they might be lost, they don't believe, they don't care. Maybe they've heard about Jesus, heard about Jesus their whole life and rejected Jesus. But the word unreached, when we say unreached peoples, means people who will be born, who will live their whole entire lives and die without hearing the name of Jesus. That's why Jesus says that there has been a plan from the beginning of time. The plan has always been for the good news to get to all peoples. The good news to get to all nations. For, for all the nations to know that there is full forgiveness for the sins, for their sins, in a Savior who died on their cross and rose again. In a Savior named Jesus. And that's why Romans says, How beautiful, how wonderful the feet of those who bring the good news, who preach the good news. Now, some of you might be thinking, the only problem with this whole scenario is, is me. That's what I think about when I think about the Great Commission, when I think about the task at hand. The mission, you might think, is limited because I am limited. I feel that too. I'm not gifted enough for the mission. 
I don't know the Bible well enough for the mission. I'm not bold enough for the mission or smart enough or outgoing enough. I am not enough for the mission. And you're exactly right. You are not enough. And that's why Jesus doesn't leave you alone in the mission. That's why Jesus tells the disciples here in our passage, he says, and behold, in verse 49, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to clothe you in power. You're not enough, but I am enough for you in this mission. Listen to how he says it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says it even more clearly. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Do you see what he says there? You will be given power. And that power is not just for your peace and for your hope, and for your joy, and for your comfort. No, you are given power that you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. This truly is an unlimited mission. We have to get this, church. This is an unlimited mission. Anyone, anywhere can come to Jesus and every believer has the Holy Spirit to tell them about it. Anyone, anywhere can come to faith in Jesus. And every believer in Jesus has the power to tell them about it. So my question to you is where are you living out this unlimited mission in your life right now? Where are you living out this unlimited mission in your life right now? Now, I don't believe that everyone is called to go, but I do believe it's clear from Scripture that every single believer is called to be engaged in the mission. So where does the Lord have you? Maybe the first place to start is just look at your feet. Like any moment of your week, any second of your week, just look down at your feet and where you are is where God has called you to be on mission. That the neighborhood you live in, the, the workplace that you go to every single day, the classroom that you sit in, the office that you are in, that is where God has called you to this unlimited mission. So this morning, what, what if you change nothing about your life right now, but you did it all with gospel intentionality? Like, what if you didn't change anything about your life right now, but, but you just did everything knowing anywhere, anyone, anywhere, at any time could be forgiven in Jesus? I'm at the soccer field all day Saturday. I'm around all kinds of mom and dads that, that live for this stuff. But anyone, anyone here right now 
could be forgiven and receive the forgiveness of Jesus. I see my neighbor next door, and I see my neighbor, and I could just go on and stick to myself and stick to my garden, or I could say, my neighbor right now could turn from their sins and trust in Jesus. You could do that with your coworker, you do that with your classmate, your friends, your family. Anyone at any time, anywhere can repent and receive the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, I heard a term the other day that I thought was helpful. It, it was from a, Dr. Paul Aiken said this. He, he called this term functional inclusivism. It's a big word, but let me tell you what it means. Functional inclusivism. It means your theology says that the only way to go to heaven is Jesus. But you live like everybody around you will be okay without him. Your theology says that you believe that Jesus is the only way to go to heaven. But you live like the people all around you are going to be okay without him. The Lord is calling Christ fellowship, every believer in here, to be a part of this unlimited mission that anyone anywhere, at any time, can be forgiven of their sins, and God has given you His Holy Spirit that you might tell them about it. For some of us, God's calling you today to go. Maybe He's usually faithfully here for years, but He's calling you to go to the ends of the earth that those who have never heard the name of Jesus might hear it not from someone else's lips but from your lips and how beautiful are the feet of the one who hears Jesus calling you maybe for the first time today to leave the mission here to be engaged in the unreached there Jesus has left us he has given us an unlimited mission and finally Jesus gives us unhindered joy unhindered joy at the end of 40 days Jesus takes his disciples out to Bethany and he says he lifts his hands and he blesses them here at the end of Luke in the same way that he took bread and he took fish and he blessed it and he multiplied it and he fed the 5,000 now Jesus stands over his disciples and he blesses his disciples. He's placing his favor upon his disciples. He's saying, just like I multiplied the fish and the loaves, I'm saying be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and make disciples. It's like he's speaking the blessing of Abraham over them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you until the day you see my face. And the Bible says he blesses them and he carried, he's carried up to heaven and ascends up to heaven. Now you might be thinking, what, what's going on in their hearts? What's going on in their minds in that m- moment? My guess is, if we know the disciples well up to this point, that they're going to be filled with a lot of sadness. They're going to be filled with despair. They're going to fill 
with defeat. Jesus, you just rose from the dead and now you're leaving us? Like, what's happening? But a lot's changed in the last 40 days in their hearts and minds. If you remember from last Sunday, on the night of his resurrection, Jesus stood among his disciples and Jesus said to them, Why are you troubled? Why are you doubting? See my hands and feet. It's, it's me. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. But then the Bible uses a very unique phrase in verse 41. In verse 41 it says this, But while they still disbelieved for joy. That's an odd phrase. They still disbelieved for joy. It's like they, it's like the Bible saying they can't believe their eyes. They can't believe their eyes that this is too good to be true. Surely Jesus hasn't risen from the dead. This would be too good to be true. It's like they're, they're holding back. They're not allowing their hearts to, to fully go there. It's too good to be true, their hearts are saying. Because if Jesus has really raised from the dead, then this literally changes everything. Because if Jesus has risen from the dead, we too will be raised from the dead. If Jesus has been risen from the dead, then that means everything in our lives is going to get rearranged in light of this resurrection. Like if Jesus really raised from the dead, everything else just becomes an echo in light of this moment. Something has changed over the last 40 days. Something has happened in their heart and mind between the resurrection and the ascension because the Bible says they're not filled with fear. They're no longer worrying or doubting. They're not filled with anxiety or sadness or disbelief. Look at verse 52. It says, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. The reality of the resurrection is no longer debatable in their minds. It's no longer up in the air. There's zero hesitation in their hearts keeping them from rejoicing fully in the resurrection. There's zero doubts in their minds, keeping them from resting fully in the resurrection. The angel's message that he's not here, he is risen, has now become their own message. The reality of the resurrection is now the reality of their lives, and their hearts cannot hold back the joy. Their hearts cannot hold back joy. My question to you this morning is, are you holding back when it comes to the resurrection? Are you holding back when it comes to the resurrection? I was helped this last week from a podcast from a pastor in Lexington named Robert Cunningham. And he talked about this passage right here about how they were disbelieved for joy, but now they have the fullness of joy. And the crazy thing about it is he 
he recorded this podcast two days after he spent time with the people of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where his best friend had his daughter shot and killed with, by an active shooter in that private school in Nashville. And two days later, he's recording a podcast about joy in the resurrection. That seems impossible. Seems impossible that that could happen. That someone could be so full of sorrow, yet always be rejoicing. That seems impossible. Too good to be true, right? Brothers and sisters, unless it is true. Unless it is true right now, your heart, time and time again, is saying, this has to be too good to be true. And your heart might be holding back right now from the reality of the resurrection. Are you allowing your heart to fully go there? To fully feel the weight, maybe for the first time, to fully rest in the reality that Christ is alive? That church, that Christ has died. But on the third day, Christ has risen. And Christ is reigning right now. And Christ will come again. Have you rested there? Have you rejoiced in there? Because it's not too good to be true. It is true today, church. Oh, we need to tie our joy to the unchanging reality of the resurrection to produce unhindered joy. Because too often we're tying our joy to fleeting things that are going to fade away. We're tying our joy to our work that's going to fail us. We're going to tie our joy to our kids to per perform for us, which is going to fail us. We're going to tie our joy to our money, to our stocks to our vacations, tying our joy to something that will fade away. Instead of tying our joy to the reality of a risen King Jesus that will never change, that will never fade away. So my guess this morning is that there are some here with hesitation in your heart. Maybe for some of you, you just believe that that's probably not true. Maybe really you just say, a man really can't rise from the dead. But for some of you, the hesitation is you don't really want it to be true. You don't want to allow yourself to go there because you know what that means. That if Jesus really rose from the dead, then everything gets rearranged in my life right now. If Jesus really rose from the dead, then everything from this moment on is just an echo of his resurrection. You know, 
couple weeks ago, I like to tell everybody that spring sleighs and the kids like that, the young, young folks like that. Maybe you've heard of FOMO. It's a new hip work. That's not new. I'm, gonna, I'm acting like the old man right now. But FOMO is the fear of missing out, right? Well, I heard a new one the other day for the first time. I heard the other day, FOBO. You may have heard that one. The fear of better options. What, what if I move to this city and I miss out for something better? What if I go to this event and I miss out on something better I could be doing? What if I take this job and I could have done something better? What if I go spend my life among the unreached peoples and I miss out on something here? Where there's a better option. Brothers and sisters, there is no better option than trusting fully in the death and resurrection of Jesus. You will never regret ever living every moment, every second of your life as an echo of this resurrection. As an echo of this resurrection where there is unshakable hope for you in Jesus. Where there's an unlimited mission for every single one of us in Christ. Until we see every tribe, tongue, and nation singing together, worthy is the Lamb who is slain. With unhindered joy forever. Brothers and sisters, we've come to the end of Luke. But what, we're gonna, what we do with the message of Luke is still to be seen. I guess at the end of this message, what we do in light of hearing about this unshakable hope, an unlimited mission, an unhindered joy is left to us to respond to. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that Christ's fellowship will be living on mission for Christ. That this will be to be continued until the day we see the face of Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask, oh Lord, that in this moment that you would fill us with unshakable hope that comes through the truth that Jesus died and Jesus really rose again. Lord, that you would send your people out to the ends of the earth on this unlimited mission. That anyone anywhere could repent and find forgiveness of sins. And Lord, that you would fill us right now with unhindered joy. Lord, that we would unhitch ourselves from the things of this world that we often tie ourselves to that can never satisfy us that are always fleeting, that are always fading, and that, Lord, that we would tie ourselves to the resurrection of Jesus, to the truth that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ is reigning, and Christ will come again. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today that has never turned from their sins and trusted in Jesus, that they would hear right now that anyone anywhere can turn from their sins, 
Repent, and they will be forgiven, all because of Jesus. Lord, I pray for the one who's sitting here today that maybe has been wrestling for months or years, or maybe this is the first time that their heart has been pricked with the thought that there are people around the world that have not experienced the joy of Jesus that they have that have never heard the name of Jesus, that they know that they've been redeemed by, and that, Lord, that their hearts, Lord, you would fill their hearts with the desire to go and to share the good news of the gospel with those who have never heard. Lord, we want this mission, this hope, this joy to continue in Christ's fellowship. Lord, for for your glory to resound among us, for your joy and your hope to be seen and felt among us, that we might live on this mission, but Lord, we need your help. We need your spirit to do this among us. Lord, would you do it for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.